Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Today's episode is all about HBA axis dysfunction. In case you are unfamiliar with this term, it's just a fancy way of saying dysfunction caused to the body via chronic physical or psychological stress. In this episode, Danielle and I are exploring the role of the HPA axis. We're looking at different forms of stress in our modern world, the common conditions that we see in clinic being caused by HPA issues, as well as different testing options available to you and how nutrition along with other modalities can be really used to correct HPA axis issues. This is such an important topic and in today's modern environment, one that is absolutely relevant to each and every one of us. So hope you enjoy it. If you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is for you to book in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals, what you can expect from consultations, and we cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead, we book in a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think about it, that is perfectly okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, simply head over to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section. Alternatively, you will also find the booking link in the show notes on this episode. We hope to meet you very soon. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Selene. Thank you for having me on. Welcome back, I should (laughs) say. Um, So this morning's topic is um, one I know that is very near and dear to you and something relevant, I think, to all of our clients in clinic. Um, We're talking all about HPA axis dysfunction, which is basically Mm -hmm. just a really fancy way of saying issues with stress. Um, But for anyone that's not familiar with the term, could you give us a bit of an overview or rundown about what the HPA axis is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Celine. So basically, when we look at the HPA axis, we've obviously abbreviated some of the names there. Um, So the H is essentially the hypothalamus. So we're looking at the brain here. And so when we look at the connection, this is actually the connection when we talk about the HPA axis from the brain to the adrenals. So the H is the hypothalamus, the P is our pituitary, and the A is obviously our adrenals. Um, And so this is something that I really like to use the term HPA axis more than I think what was used in the parcel and as when we would refer to like adrenal fatigue. Mm. And I say that with the inverted commas basically there because a lot of um, people don't love that term. And I think it is quite an overused term. So when we consider the HPA axis, we're actually looking at all of the impacts from our external and internal environment on our brain and the communication signals it's sending essentially to our adrenals. So this is where um, acute stress can impact the HPA axis as well as chronic stress. So it doesn't matter whether your stress is in a moment or it's across 
months or years, that HPA access is still going to be burdened um, and, and, you know, basically that communication will be happening along that access in some way. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's more so issues, I guess, with chronic stress where we would start to see some health problems arise. Yes, exactly right. So, and so this is where when I talk about stress with my clients is essentially we have these systems inbuilt as natural responses, right? So people will hear the classic, uh, our fight or flight response. So that's our survival response. That is something that in terms of our innate uh, response to stress, we will have that response. So our adrenals will be activated to essentially, you know, produce those hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline to run from the tiger, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, so that is something that has been within us since, you know, our evolution. The problem is that in our modern world, we have so many more inputs in our Mm -hmm. external environment and from our internal environment that is stress for the body, essentially. So the brain will still perceive things as stress and it will activate that stress response. And so you could imagine that, you know, our clients will often say they might even wake up stressed in the morning, you know, for whatever reason, the, you know, work day ahead, they could be stressed about or getting the kids to school, they could be stressed about. So that stress is already there from the moment they wake up. And then that could be continuing across the whole day till the moment they go to bed. And so if we think that's on this sort of cycle day after day, constantly under stress, we're seeing this chronic stress picture just pop up more and more with people. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And you touched on something really key. You talked about like the external inputs of stress, but also internal. So could you kind of differentiate between the two and maybe give some examples of, I guess, the most common ones that we would see in clinic? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and this is where I like to distinguish, as you said, between external and internal, because sometimes I don't think we recognize that even for ourselves. So Mm. those, you know, when we think internal, of course, it's, it's more so, that what's coming from within us in terms of perceived stress. So what we see as stressful, someone else may not see as stressful. So we almost create that stress response by it might be, you know, we look at something and that brings up an emotional stress, Um, you know, uh, or we could be triggered in a way from previous trauma or something that could be stressful for us. So that sort of uh, mental emotional can be something that is really brought on from how we perceive stress. Internal as well, though, Celine, is even something like, and this is where people may not even realise this, but if we, for example, had an infection, so if we Mm -hmm. had a certain parasite or bacteria or viral or fungal infection that we didn't know about, that could be causing stress on the body and initiating a stress response. Um, If we had something like, you know, when we consider even our insulin or blood sugar, you know, so those imbalances from an internal environment perspective can be causing stress as well. And to be quite honest, that's something that they kind of feed off of each other. So we often see that when people are stressed, they will have blood sugar imbalances and vice versa. Hmm. So when we consider internally, there's some of the main things. Then when we consider external, I would really look at firstly environment. So, you know, and when I say environment, that could be um, what actually we're interacting with in our environment. So it could be stressful conversations. It could be a meeting that we go into and it's stressful. Um, It could be, you know, even driving in traffic and we can get frustrated and stressed about that. So that's that external environment. But also then I would say then within that external environment, it could be things like what we're exposed to from uh, as such as 
chemicals, toxins, those sorts of things, Mm -hmm. which are then an external stress on the body. We're taking those in and the body's having a stress response to to that essentially. So that's just some of, you know, the the common internal external stresses that we might see. Yeah. And like you said, it's so intertwined as well. Like you mentioned, you know, you could be having a trauma response to something, but that could be triggered by something external, right? (laughs) Where you and I based on, you know, we could be sitting in a car together, something unfolds in front of us. And, you know, for example, if I have had some kind of past experience and that has wired me towards, um, you know, maybe being triggered by that or or Mm -hmm. perceiving that it's all your perception, really perceiving that as stressful, that might start to cause sort of a stress cascade within my physiology. And you're sitting there, you know, none the wiser and not, not really affecting you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I personally find, I think a lot in clinic that, um, uh, clients and all of us in general, I guess, not just our clients, I'm going to say broad across the board, mm-hmm. um, it can be, you know, either resistant or a little bit sort of, um, you know, they don't want to necessarily acknowledge, or maybe they haven't acknowledged a lot of the stresses, um, that they're experiencing. Do you find that too? Oh, absolutely, Celine. And I think it it begins with that understanding, you know, as we're talking about of actually what are all of the possible stresses in my lifestyle. And this is where it can actually, when you start to unpack those, it can get overwhelming. And I think that can bring about that, some of that resistance. And I, you know, I totally empathize with that with our clients because, you know, we're human just the same and we, we have those, you know, same experiences as well. But I think it's really important what I say to all of my clients when I'm talking around stress is, It's not about eliminating stress because that will, let's be honest, that will never happen. Mm. You know, that stress response is something that, as you said, Salam, we may not even realize we're we're having, you know, we're we're initiating that stress response on that internal basis. We could just be responding to our environment. So that's always going to be there, but it's about managing Mm. what, what stresses, you know, where I look as going, okay, well, what's quite significant for me in my life in terms of stress? And what can I do to either manage that better, reduce that, or, you know, implement other things into Mm. my life to, I guess, balance the scales a bit. You know, that's really, when we come back to even looking at the HPA axis and we talk about this dysfunction, it's actually just about how can we reach regulation? So we're regulating that HPA axis response as best we can every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I actually think it's, you know, as much as possible, we want to try and do both. Um, because I think the, the internal stress side of things is so interesting. Like it being down to our perception, how we perceive different life events or even, you know, our interactions with others. And I guess speaking, I can speak from my personal experience. I used to get, you know, stressed over really, really simple, easy things. And I didn't understand why I would be so triggered and why I would feel really stressed about something quite small in life happening when, you know, my partner or someone else might kind of just handle it like it was nothing. And what I guess I started understanding about myself was that I had a very, very stressful start to life. And sort of, I would say up until 15, even 18. Um, and began to realize that basically I was in that, you know, fight or flight part of my nervous system, my whole 
mm-hmm. like formative years mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how much that had actually kind of like shaped my nervous system to be sort of like on all the time. Yes. Um, and I did lots of different things, but I personally found kinesiology to be one of the yes. best and most helpful modalities for starting to unpack some of that wiring yes. um, and really mm-hmm. change that. And I can honestly say that like within the last few years, my reactions to things are very different to how they used to be. Um, And so I still have strategies for management, but I think also we want to look to kind of going like, why am I the way I am? Why do I react to things the way I do? Why do I respond to things in a certain way? And like, really, how can I in my life, like seek to change that? Because you're going to be living in your brain for a long time, hopefully, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. so as much as possible, we want that to be a nice environment to be living in. And I think for a lot of us, we react to things, but we don't ever maybe question why we react the way we do, yeah. why we respond the way we do, why we feel the way we do about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot that we can seek to, I guess, have a more enjoyable experience of life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Unpacking that as unpleasant as it might feel at the time, (laughs) it's really important to try and do that. And, you know, where we can help point our clients in the right direction with things like that, but Mm -hmm. we obviously, we're not psychologists or, um, or kinesiologists, or we don't have those sorts of skills. Um, and so that's, yeah, where we can point those things out and maybe refer on or, or, um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, I think it's such an important part, Slen. And, and, you know, I, so much of what, you know, you've gone through personally that I totally resonate with as well. And, and it really is, I had that moment of actually looking at it and, you know, it is a, it's a learned behavior. It's a, it's mm. a conditioning and it's, and then it's also something that is, um, it's, it's driven, you know, subconsciously. So we often don't, we don't realize we're having that response. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, my journey and this might, might lead us into some of those symptoms of, you know, really recognizing that I had to fundamentally change how I perceived certain things in my life and perceived stress and, and where that stress was coming from was because then I was getting symptoms that essentially forced me to look at that, you know? So, and I think it was one of those things to, you know, being someone who was always felt they were on top of things. I think that's maybe the perfectionist comes in the control, which essentially is just, a, you know, another sort of flow on effect from, from this, this fight or flight response. We it's live a in. mask. Right? Yeah. It's a mask. We're trying to control our environment, which actually creates more stress. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I found myself for me, and this is where I'm very passionate about, um, uh, you know, really looking at things like chronic fatigue type states because that's where I found myself because of so so many years of what essentially we now know as HPA axis dysfunction. So, so you know, just to go into some symptoms, um, mm-hmm. Selene, for anyone listening that, okay, well, what flows on the back of, and I would say these are more so, I'll go into more chronic symptoms of, of chronic HPA axis dysfunction. Um, so the fatigue and exhaustion is, obviously one of the most known so and we'll get to the reason why that is but when that hpa axis is under such burden constantly what shifts is actually the production of those um what we call uh glucocorticoids such as cortisol such as adrenaline such as dhea those sorts of things so we have um you know that normal response we produce normal amounts to a stressful environment but over time that becomes less and less so our bodies 
actually going into a state of protecting uh, protecting us, you know, uh, to not continually have this stress response. So fatigue and exhaustion, um, insomnia, I would say is a huge one. Um, but then on the back of that, which I personally experienced more was uh, waking completely unrefreshed after an eight hour sleep, you know, so I'd go to bed, I would get what I thought was good quality sleep. I'd sleep right through and wake up like, you know, a truck had hit me. So that's, that's a huge one. Another one is I found just general brain fog and really poor cognition. So that ability to, you know, um, go about our day-to-day jobs to even engage in conversation. I find really difficult with that level of HPA axis dysfunction. Um, so memory recall, those sorts of things as well. Uh, it goes without saying that our appetite is completely affected too. And this is where, you know, we have clients still, and I'm sure you'll agree that things like salt cravings um, can actually go up um, as well as sugar, because it's that quick hit of energy that the body's looking for. So if it can get in that quick dose of uh, glucose, then it's going to look for more sugary foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say things like irritability. So from a mood perspective, that's a really big one. But on the flip side, something like apathy. So Mm. where people are really in that state of almost no emotion um, because the body just doesn't have those reserves to sort of amount that emotion to anything. So um, interestingly, low libido. So Mm. when the HPA axis is is so effective. Makes sense. sense. We're not going to, you know, want to engage in anything like that. And from a women's perspective, reproduction is not a priority at all. So that's a huge one. Frequent infections and illness. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is an important one for, for our listeners because when we have that impact on the HPA axis, it actually really uh, interacts with our immune system as well. Mm-hmm. So the immune system is affected in that aspect. Um, map muscle aches and pains goes without saying. So from a full body perspective, um, premenstrual tension for women, that's a huge one. Um, and even what I found from an, a movement exercise perspective is tiredness after minimal exertion. I was someone who was always so active. And I remember when I was in the, the depths of my fatigue, I would even just go for a walk and feel mm exhausted so yeah. um yeah so, so there's a few of the main symptoms yeah it's so interesting when I like think back I guess to my own sort of health story I had like tonsillitis nearly mm-hmm. every month yeah I then didn't have a period for two years and yeah. I was very 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 underweight as mm-hmm. well um and no like to my knowledge no eating disorder like I don't remember no. ever having an eating disorder but then I look back at photos and I'm like oh my god like how was I ever that small um yeah. and yeah it, it's definitely I guess the proof is in the pudding there and then I, I was even in such denial about like stress being such a huge driver in that I did go and do testing which we can obviously talk about and was like mortified at my results I was like oh, <laughs> oh my god yeah. um, and I think that's the benefit of testing sometimes is that you yeah. want that confirmation on paper and that was a really big push for me personally to yeah. sort of start unpacking a lot more of that um at a, I guess a deeper level yeah yeah so important I think and it, it doesn't mean to say that we have to do a test to see it but no of course I not. must yeah I must admit this is one area that I would say nine times out of ten that 
when we test it, it really does. It makes you look at your stress in a completely different way um, yeah. to really show you where it's impacting your physiology and now how you feel. Yeah. Um, and I was the same, Celine. I went down that uh, that journey of testing and it was, you know, to say quite frankly, a wake up call to me. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. So, Sometimes yeah. we need that. And I think um, with a lot of the signs and symptoms that you mentioned as well, like this HPA axis dysfunction can lead into so many different other, um, you know, secondary tertiary sort of conditions. Um, if we just think about how it will start to, as you said, a, you know, downregulate appetite and then probably mm-hmm. affect things like stomach acid production, mm-hmm. which is going to affect our nutrient status purely because there's lack of intake and then lack of absorption. We're yeah. going to start to then see, quite possibly secondary conditions. And then, you know, that nutrient deficiency is going to affect our mental health even more and possibly things like our thyroid, which I know is very common. And Mm -hmm. even the mere fact of, you know, excess cortisol and adrenaline itself can actually start to downregulate our thyroid function. So that's where we start to see that, you know, this can be that root cause in a lot of people. And that's where, when we're working with clients like our job really is to keep asking why yeah and keep mm-hmm. following it back because mm-hmm. you know often sometimes it presents very clearly where stress chronic stress is a huge factor in someone's health timeline or health yeah. story mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's not as obvious because it's often, you know, either we're in maybe denial about it or yeah. we haven't acknowledged it ourselves. So how are we then expected to, you know, bring that up with basically a stranger through Zoom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, yeah, it might not be as obvious, but I guess our job is always to keep going, but why, but why, but why? And something as simple as like nutrient deficiencies, low thyroid function, you know, amenorrhea, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. if we kept tracing it back, um, a huge part of that could be chronic stress in someone's health timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also, I guess, sometimes the benefit and why I love using something like Dutch testing sometimes as well because Mm -hmm. you can... um, you can see it in the test result and then you yeah. can start to open up that conversation gently with someone. Absolutely. Excellent. And I, I love testing, particularly the Dutch test for this reason, because it also shows us where someone is at in that, mm. in that sort of cortisol response. And this is where, you know, if, if we had a test in front of us, it's everyone's on a different sort of spectrum in terms of that HPA axis dysfunction, but by testing, it allows us to zoom in and go, okay, this is where you're at. And these are the things that we're going to do around that to support you, to get you back to, you know, essentially what we're talking about, that balance, that homeostasis and trying to achieve that. So, you know, because I know personally, when I did the Dutch test, I was um, what we would probably say in terms of like that hypo cortisol function. So flatlined I was no longer producing cortisol so that you know essentially if we were to look at the stages Celine and we don't have to go into them but I was probably what you'd call like a stage four person on that adrenal let's go into the stages yeah Yeah, do you want to mention those yeah yeah it's something that I would say initially when we started to look at adrenal fatigue, um, we, we've got this sort of school of thought that there are certain stages, which mm-hmm. is something we still look at as practitioners. So stage one is essentially that sort of 
um, that, that initial fight or flight response, mm-hmm. which is normal, it's adaptive, it's what we do. Stage two is essentially more of that hypercortisol. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're seeing that, you know, people are having a heightened uh, response, so that heightened stress response. And so the third stage is often where we see people are going now between the two. They're kind of going between high cortisol production, high stress response, and then they're dropping down. So when we think of that cortisol curve across the day, there's someone that we might look at that's literally up and down across the day and producing cortisol at the wrong times. And they're kind of the people too, I'd say, Selene, that we'd call maybe like the wired but tired people. Mm. So they're the ones that are going to bed and they are so wired and they're so alert. Their brain is constantly, you know, they may be the overthinkers, the ang- the anxious types, those ones, but they are so tired. They're like, they're physically, mentally exhausted and they just can't get that sleep. And then you've got like your stage four, which is essentially what I was saying, what we call mm. hypo function, which is where now that cortisol from being uh, dysregulated for so long or too high for too long has now adapted and, and it's actually stopped in terms of optimal production so no longer now what i you know basically look at when we consider cortisol we should get that nice morning cortisol rise so what we call the cortisol awakening response the car um we all should have cortisol highest in that first sort of hour of the morning um when i looked at my dutch test i wasn't i wasn't even getting a little rise i was just getting literally nothing so that for me was really quite um shocking but also correlated with my symptoms so this is where I went okay no wonder why I wake up and feel like I can't get going can't get out of bed so unrefreshed I have no cortisol so this is where as you were saying Celine it actually can help us to see what's going on for us and and it puts it in black and white essentially yeah and I think sometimes as well it maybe gives us permission to action it properly because we do, and you know, this is a whole other topic in of itself, but like we do live in a society where it's very much like go, 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 you know, things on all the time. And it's very, very common. And I know this is such a simplistic analogy, but the whole pouring from an empty cup thing to end up in that sort of situation across your life and Mm -hmm. seeing that information on a test can kind of be that yeah, that extra nudge where you're like, all right, yeah. I, this is actually maybe bigger than I'm letting on. And we see that mm. the same thing with blood tests, right, as yes. well, mm-hmm. where when we can explain to someone what this deficiency means in terms of their mm-hmm. symptoms and all that, that, oh, okay, right, I can, I can f- understand this now. I'm much more compliant at including the foods that Danielle Orselin has asked me to and taking my supplement every day because then I'm going to do a retest in three months and I want to see that mm. that level's gone up, right? But mm-hmm. if it was just us sitting in front of the client going, sounds like you've got a B12 deficiency, blah, 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 yeah. blah, you know, like it, it's, um, yeah, it's not the same. It's not because it, it doesn't feel, it, it It really still doesn't feel as personal, does it? Yeah. You know, we can, and, and that's sometimes, you know, and I've got some clients that um, they might be resistant to testing, um, mm. but then once they do do it, um, it does just bring about this whole new, I think as well, uh, how we view our health mm. as well. And and like you said, Celine, from a compliance perspective, but also then uh, for really being that like commitment, it's then making a commitment to go, actually, I can see, where my health is suffering. I can see, you know, I can see it for what it is now. I can see why my symptoms are the way they are. And now I want to improve that. And that's why retesting and those sorts of things are so important as well. So yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, how often do we just kind of like pass things off as like the, 
I'll do that in the future or the too hard yeah. basket or whatever. Yeah. And I think the thing with this particular issue, which like I like what you said about it being a scale, I'm going to say that HPA axis dysfunctional stress in general is going to be something that affects all of our clients. It's just yeah. going to be to varying degrees. So this could be affecting you, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be experiencing a lot of the severe symptoms yeah. that we might've talked about. Like you might not lose your period or Mm-hmm. you know, have thyroid issues or anything like that, but this might be affecting you on a, a smaller scale and be yeah. part of the health picture or yeah. part of the cause, or this could be like the main domino in mm-hmm. your um, health um, history or in your health timeline that's affecting um, everything else that needs to be addressed. So it's, yeah. I'm going to say affects everyone. Like it's 2022, we're all under stress and pressure. It's yeah. just going to be at, at a sliding scale for um, for all of our clients, which I think is really, really important to acknowledge. Um, and what sort of testing would you be doing in clinic? Like we mentioned the Dutch test. Is there any other tests that you would be, um, Um, in terms of, in terms of this, Celine, I would be saying, you know, look, the Dutch test for me is like the gold standard. I would say from a HPA access perspective, purely because of the clinical information that we get from it and, and, and how individualized that is in saying that there is, um, there is options to do. People may have heard of, um, saliva testing. So when we look at just the free cortisol, so when we test through the saliva, all we're getting is free unbound cortisol that will give us some information. Um, and so that can be a starting point, you know, for some of us just to see, okay, even from that perspective, like I was saying, you know, in the morning, where's your cortisol sitting, you know, Mm -hmm. that can be quite good for us. I would then say, though, from further to this, I would be doing then more indirect testing because if I assume someone's got HPA axis dysfunction, that's where I'm doing a lot of uh, pathology. So I'm really, like you were touching on, Selene, we're going into uh, key um, key nutrient markers. We're looking at metabolic health. That's a massive one. So this is where for a lot of people I'd be you know, looking into things like their fasting insulin and seeing what's happening from a blood sugar regulation perspective. Um, thyroid obviously goes without saying and ideally a full thyroid profile. Um, I do say that as well because what I often see with a lot of HPA axis dysfunction is then something like, for example, reverse T3. Um, I've seen a lot of cases there actually where particularly women have this HPA axis dysfunction function and then that reverse t3 is showing up in really high amounts um you know so that's something that we need to identify um so pathology is a big one um i would say also sometimes you know side by side if i assume hpa axis dysfunction and someone's maybe presenting with more uh digestive symptoms gastrointestinal health issues we might do something more like a stool uh, a comprehensive stool analysis so that might be another functional test we look at yeah. Um, indirectly to see how this stress and how this HPA axis dysfunction is now impacting the gut. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than other than that, because also too for anyone listening, the Dutch test is a urine test as well. So, you know, we're testing from that perspective. The saliva could be something good to do as a beginning step. You know, if yeah. we wanted to do that for cortisol. Yeah. Yeah, and depending on someone's budget as well, I guess if we think Correct. that we might really want to see something like a GI map or some other kind of gut test, which um, is a higher price point, we might do that with something like a salivary hormone test um, to sort of reduce on on costs. Yeah. Um, I I don't know about your thoughts around this, but I typically, if we're going to do something like a cortisol test, 
I'm not really that interested in seeing like a serum cortisol from your blood test Mm -hmm. information that you could get done through a GP purely because what we want is that cortisol on waking. And then we would like to see the pattern of it across the day to get an understanding of um, what your HPA axis is looking like across that day. Um, if we're just looking at your cortisol in the morning and it's not even your cortisol on waking, cause let's be honest, if you're doing a blood test, you're waking up, mm-hmm. you're having some water, doing your thing in the morning, maybe having a shower yeah. and all of that. And then you're going to the pathology lab. You're sitting there maybe for an hour mm-hmm. and then you're finally getting your cortisol test. Like it's not your waking cortisol by the time no. you're doing that. Um, and so it's just not really a particularly reliable test to see that information. We can often look at clues with something like your DHEA levels, depending, like you said, on what stage that's going to be relevant, but like Mm -hmm. on what stage of that um, HPA axis dysfunction you're at. But I often do pick up little clues, I guess, with um, obviously with talking to our clients as well, we can often see that too, but, um, that DHEA level can be quite telling sometimes. That's, that's right. So if, if I was to test anything in the blood initially to mm. give me maybe some indirect, um, view of what's happening with the HPA axis, I'd be more inclined to look at DHEA. Yeah. So it's one, once again, that the adrenal gland produces and the way I describe DHEA to, to people is that it's like the master hormone to other hormones. So it's kind of like, you know, if we look at the cascade down to things like testosterone and estrogen and all of those sorts of things, DHEA is like that starting precursor, Mm -hmm. you know? So if we've got imbalances there and we can look at that initially in serum, look at the blood, and then we can start to either do further testing from there or go, actually your DHEA test alone, whether it's high or low, is starting to give me insights into into your HPA axis. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Um, and so I guess from a nutrient perspective, what are some of the things that we would be looking at, um, to support our clients with this? Yeah. So with HPA axis, it's one of those things where once again, nutrients play such an important part, but they're not everything. Um, so there's no, there's no, uh, you know, magic pill that's really going to help, um, here, but of course it goes without saying that if we've got clients that have got, um, you know, an iron deficiency, they've got a B12 deficiency, folate, um, I would even say vitamin D from a, an immune perspective, vitamin D almost functioning as a hormone within the body, uh, inflammatory levels, those sorts of things. So we want to be looking at all of those key nutrients first. So if there's deficiencies there, we obviously, have to be treating that um so that's a huge part of of, you know sort of our supplement protocol i would say um it goes without saying that probably one of my favorite minerals in this case for hpa axis nervous system is uh magnesium and these are the kind of people as well that we're probably going to be going into slightly higher doses of magnesium but i would be pulse dosing that across the day so breaking that up you know um if needed taurine is another one so when we consider um what goes uh from an amino acid perspective and really supporting um the absorption of magnesium and even looking at you know realistically from the way I look at it with these fatigue type states is that our need for that amino acid, those Mm. amino acids goes up, you know? So the body is in a real requirement of those because we've depleted them so much. Um, So taurine is a, is a big one there. Um, You know, further than that, vitamin C might be something um, when we consider the adrenals um, and their need for vitamin C, um, especially too, if we know that people may not be getting it from their diet in, in that respect or, 
the way I look at it as well is when we consider water-soluble vitamins. So things like your B vitamins, uh, the spectrum of B vitamins are so needed for our nervous system, for the adrenals, and we are depleting them quite often when we're activating that stress response day in, day out. So uh, B vitamins form pretty much, you know, uh, the basis, I would say, of a lot of the treatment and supplements that we use in, in these cases. Yep, definitely. And I guess yeah. that's the benefit to what we do is we, we're going to be doing a lot of this testing in all of our clients because yeah. we understand, you know, it's not just related to this, that these micronutrients can help with. We're going to um, look at correcting all of them. And the way I like it, it is so true that these clients in which it might be quite severe do need additional support. Um, and I mean, I don't know if anyone else, when they were young, I never really had the game, but people used to play like the Sims and, you know, I look at these clients as like all their levels are in the red. Um, and so we're going to need to put in maybe a little bit more work to, um, build them back up. And I know a lot of other things that are mentioned are things like adaptogens and things like your ashwagandha and your rhodiola and your Mm -hmm. ginsengs and all of that, which I love as well, but we still need to be, I think, really appreciative of the mm-hmm. fact that it's not like you don't, you didn't end up here because you have an ashwagandha deficiency, right? Correct. So yeah, it's going to help. And we obviously want to provide your body with as much support as possible, but we also mm-hmm. need to acknowledge that if we're just using things like that, we are still using a Band-Aid approach, which is exactly what we blame, what I shouldn't say blame, but basically where we point the finger at conventional medicine is always using Band-Aid fixes. And I think in our industry, we do run the risk sometimes of doing that because it is easier for us to recommend supplements and nutrients and, you know, adaptogens rather than Mm -hmm getting our client to maybe go and see someone like a kinesiologist or whatever Mm -hmm. other support that they would need. Um, And then other things I think we tend to look at is like how we can maybe remove some of that burden on the body. So some really, really common examples would be like if in particularly in our female clients is, you know, are you doing four or five hit sessions a week? Mm -hmm. Are you going out for really long runs? Are you having two, three, four, even five coffees a day? Like Mm -hmm. these are all things, really, really simple things. And then just obviously from a, you know, a diet perspective, like do you have good blood sugar control? Like I know you mentioned insulin, Mm -hmm. but these are all ways that we can actually remove some of that burden from your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we look at adding things in, but we also want to make sure that, you know, we're not going to give you, adaptogens to reduce your stress if you're having two or three coffees a day, right? Like that's just Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, we need the layering of these things and that's where we focus so much in those first few appointments, especially on like getting the foundations really nice and solid. And at the same time, adding in things that are obviously going to support the body to do what it needs to do exactly right Selene and I think that's such an important point when we consider stress is always going to be a part of our lifestyles Mm. it's it's also then looking at okay well the things we're doing to help us manage that stress is it sustainable for life um you know and and that's that's something that you know a lot of us have to sit with and, and start to look at and I know for me it was it was it was absolutely looking at a stress management plan that I needed to have. And don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect and I don't do it every day, but it was it was having some of those hard conversations mm. with myself. It was seeking out 
therapies and practitioners that could help me dig deeper into into my learned behaviors and things like that and that will take us so much further in terms of our health um, and, and really optimizing our health in the long term than taking a supplement. It's Absolutely. As, it's yep. as simple as that. So, and you're so right, Celine. I love what you said in terms of removing the burden as much as we can. For me, yep. that's it. It's, I think, once again, we can sometimes in this industry, people feel like they always need to be adding, mm-hmm. adding more supplements and more things and more and more and more, which can be overwhelming. And it's actually, you no, know, what can we take away? What mm-hmm. can we actually start to lift? from you and your lifestyle and what you're currently doing to make you actually uh, achieve better health in the long term. So the burden piece is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like everyone's journey is so different and everyone's going to be open to things at different times, but we often tell ourselves stories about like, I can't do that or I don't have time for that or that won't work for me because X or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, however much you agree with this or not, that's okay. But really it is stories, even if, you know, a huge part of your stress is your job and your story is, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. do a different job because I need to provide for my family. And I don't know, whatever it is, there is nearly always a path to a different outcome in those sorts of situations. We just have to be, I guess, open to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, everyone's, got a different sliding spectrum of how open they are to hearing that information. Um, but it's definitely a big, a big piece, I think for a lot of our clients. And I'm going to say Mm -hmm. a lot of everyone's health journey in 2022, like we've, uh, overall, I think had a quite a stressful couple of years, um, with what's happened globally and, you know, our, modern day life stresses definitely aren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it's about looking at what we can remove and change first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. Um, and then looking at getting testing, if that's something we feel like we would benefit yeah. from mm-hmm. um, and also adding in nutrients as well to support yeah. Yeah. our body to do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's all it's trying to do. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, and that's what, you know, the HPA axis to sort of round that out so then it's just doing its job and and the brain is always communicating to our adrenals to actually uh, protect us in whatever way that looks like um and so unfortunately in our in our modern world it is more more often than not it feels that it's under constant stress so it has to be in this survival response and the way i say it is that okay we might all feel like we're in this survival response and it's just day after day but there is another way. And, Mm. and realistically we can be, you know, to use this word, but we can be thriving. We can be, you know, that, that isn't something that's just this like utopia that's over here and we're going, we'll never get there. Once again, it's an excuse. We can actually have, you know, uh, great energy and we can wake up with energy and we can have great health and we don't have to have all of these symptoms that comes on the back of chronic stress and, and, and being in essentially that survival mode, you know, mm. so, you know, we can, we can definitely change that. And, and it, it can just be something that if anyone's listening to this and they might start to think that this could be them or they're experiencing sim- similar symptoms, it can just be that, you know, you start to do one thing in your mm-hmm. lifestyle, whether it is you seek out a practitioner or whether you do consider, you know, going to have kinesiology or you see a psychologist even from, you know, if that's yeah. a mental health perspective or even just you going, you know what, I, I think I have been this way for a lot of my life, whatever that is, Mm. just 
start the process I think um you know we don't have to sit in this stress and and just think this is it you know yep definitely and it's going to take time like if it took you 30 ways uh, 30 years sorry to wire your brain a certain way you're not going to undo that all in three months so like let's be realistic about that but yeah yeah start somewhere start where you're comfortable and yeah cliche but like it is a journey right where you can start to unpack that and you'll never get there like there is no no there you'll never get there it will be a constant throughout your whole life but you may as well start being open to this kind of stuff now because it will make living in your brain a lot more pleasant and your body it will it will make it a lot more peaceful I think if we could put it that way so yeah Yeah. and I think we all want that we just all want a bit of peace in our days right so 100 (laughs) 100 well I think we'll leave it there but thanks so much again for your time Danielle um and yeah we'll have you back on very soon can't wait thanks so much Lauren Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.